On this episode of Inside Boxing Live, Showtime Sports President Steven Espinosa stops by the show uh, to give us an update on Showtime Boxing and their merger with Paramount Plus. Plus, we talk Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis, and a slew of other big fights that are coming uh, for Showtime. We will also talk about Niowa Inouye taking on Stephen Fulton. It's going down May 7th on ESPN Plus. And we'll also preview Tim Zhu versus Tony Harrison. Let's go. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Inside Boxing Live. This is a product of John Boy Media. I am Dan Canobio. He is Chris Algieri on location. Looks like he's in an interrogation room. Chris, what's going on? Where are you this week? <laughs> I'm in uh, I'm in Tampa working for the ProBox TV shows. Uh, we have a, a, fo- a fight coming out of Sonola, Mexico on Wednesday. So we're down here at the ProBox TV Worldwide Studios to... Shoot some content leading up to the fights. Do the just did the fire meetings, and then we have the the fights on Wednesday themselves that we're going to be calling from in the studio. So it's you, Gold Mike Goldberg, and Paulie Malinaji, right? Mike Goldie Goldberg, Holy the Magic Man Malinaji, and myself. How's Paulie calling. doing these days? He's he's excellent, man. I mean, he he's he's a pleasure to work with. He really is fantastic on the mic, and um, yeah, we we, we spend like three days together at each one of these shows, and we're we're shooting a ton of content, which is going to be rolling out soon. So we're gonna. If you haven't, if you miss Paul, you're going to see a lot of them. If you don't, if you if you don't see enough of me, you're going to see even more. So uh, we got a lot of stuff coming down down the pipe. Me and Paulie have a little bit of a history, a little bit of a beef. Do you know that? Oh, well, Paulie's had beef with most people in the sport. Right. I think, I'm one, of the, I think I'm one of the only guys. Yeah. This, it's more with. of a beef with CompuBox than it is with me personally. Well, it seems yeah. like a lot of fighters have have beef with CompuBox, one way or another. Right. He 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 didn't like the stats after that. Uh, Pablo Cano oh, the kind of loss. Way, yeah. um, Jim Gray asked us for the numbers, and Paulie was outlanded by 100 shot punches. Paulie, I mean, uh, Jim Gray asked for the numbers, and he goes into the ring after the fight and goes, you were outlanded by X amount of punches, 100 punches, but you still got the win. And Paulie's like, ah, forget, forget them, CompuBox. They need lens crafters. And if you know my dad, he does not like any criticism about his baby, which is CompuBox. I, I yeah, I mean, so they they had some, they had some arguments, and I like Paulie. I would like to bury the hatchet with them, and and uh, maybe we'll, we can orchestrate such a such a, a meetup. I, I could potentially be the bridge for that that uh, that reconciliation, uh, or I could be the bridge for that 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 argument. <laughs> I like. I grew up. Listen, I grew up on Long Island in New York as an Italian man, boxing fan. I looked up to Paulie Malinaggi. Like this guy's Italian, looks like me and my friends. He's taking on killer after killer. He's going up mm-hmm. against these punchers. He's not a big puncher. He's going into the lion's den. I was there for his fight with Cotto. I was there for his fight with with fight. with Khan. Like I had a ton of respect for him. But it, you know, this thing's happened. You know, he's he's used the stats f- to try to get a rematch uh, with uh, who was it with Juan Diaz. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He used the stats for that. He like put him up on a big thing, but then. When it didn't make him look good, is that what happens in a lot of times? You get emotional after a fight. Well, I'm gonna say, like your dad said, you know, he doesn't like any any negative talk about his baby. Well, Paulie is his own baby. His boxing career is his baby. So, I mean, <laughs> if the facts are not gonna help him, of no. course, you know, I mean, I would do the same thing. It was a long time ago, man. <laughs> in his defense, it was like ten years ago. I'm sure cooler heads have prevailed. I like to see what's going on with Mr. Malinacci. Also, how was the birthday, man? 
I was good. It was good. It was very chill. Didn't do a whole lot. Um, it's still kind of what I like to do with my birthday. At this at this stage of my life, I'm not I'm not trying to go out and party or I want to wake up feeling good on my yes. on the day of my my next year moving forward. So I saw you cooked. Would you have some? Was that wasn't steak, right? Steak is just not enough for steak. you. Steak. Oh, was it? Yeah. I saw something else on Instagram. Um, was that like sure. maybe it was a repost of someone else cooking something from the Fighters Kitchen book plug? Oh yeah, that was it. Yeah, a, a cousin of mine was posting uh, some venison steak tips venison, that he had, that he had made. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I saw Creed this weekend. Oh, how was that? Good. Uh, I gave it a solid seven four out of ten. Um, solid, respectable. Really good. I mean, the fight scenes were good. Uh, the only thing was silly was uh, the plot a little bit. Like you know, I'm not giving away anything. You know this from watching the trailers. Like he fights his main foe in this is a guy that he grew up with. <laughs> And the guy makes his professional debut and fights for the uh, heavyweight title. <laughs> so that yeah. type of stuff, like, is is a little silly. But I if Lomachenko it. couldn't do it, I don't think this guy. Well, could that's either. someone clapped back at me on Twitter. I was like, well, Lomachenko uh, fought, but he I think it was his second pro fight, and he also and he lost. Had, he lost his pro <laughs> fight, but he also had like four hundred amateur fights. This guy, Jonathan right. Major's character, was in prison. That's that's what you're gonna get with some some Rocky movies. So uh, after me and Chris chop it up, we will get to our interview with Steven Espinosa. A uh, really fun one, uh, talking about the state of Showtime boxing. There's a lot of rumors out there with their merger with Paramount Plus. Uh, will there be Showtime boxing after 35 plus years of being in the game? Just like HBO, they just disappeared one day. He assures us that there will be Showtime boxing, um, but it's just gonna look a little different. It's gonna be on an app, and uh, that's a fun interview uh, coming up next. Chris, did you see May 7th, Niowa Inouye, Stephen Fulton. It's official. It's official. It's official. Did I see? Of course I did. <laughs> this is something that we've been talking about for so long. It's, it's exciting news. Um, I think I was geeked immediately when I saw it on Instagram. And I don't know if I sent it to you right away, but because um, I, I knew you see it. You always see everything before me anyway. Mm. I send you things. I'm like, why well, did I even do that? I know you saw it. You, li you live on the, on, the, on the Twitter sphere okay. of, of the boxing world. Um, but yeah, this is something we've been talking about for months and it's a fight that a lot of people didn't think it was going to happen because Stephen Fulton was moving up as right as anyway, was moving up. And I said it, we can go back through the archives. I thought this fight was going to happen and now we're here and I think it's a great opportunity. I think it's a perfect time. And, uh, it's a very interesting fight. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to break it down a lot as we get, as we get closer to it. But, um, with the, the boxing world should rejoice because this is a fantastic matchup and a fight that's really really matters. This is a fight that there you can't say enough good things about it. You know, yeah. sometimes we struggle to find uh, the good things, the silver linings, and some of these fights and some of the news that comes out of the boxing world. This right here is everything that's pure about boxing. This is best versus best. This is a f uh, undefeated fighters. These are fighters taking risks. These are fighters risks. moving up in weight. These are fighters move going across the world. Uh, into uncharted territory or or places that that they wouldn't dream to go in in uh, Fulton going over to Japan. This represents all that is good w with boxing. Uh, like you said, Chris, I do agree. Like I, I honestly didn't think it was going to happen. I thought the promotional games were going to get in the way of this. Stephen Fulton is one of the PBC's brightest stars. He is the one guy that you can build around. So I said, no way will he jump over and potentially fight on ESPN+. Plus. No way would uh, Heyman or PBC or all the guys that are on the PBC side allow for such a thing. But no, Fulton really pushed for this fight. He really wanted to go over there. And you look on the other side of things, Nio Inouye jumping up to 122, 
uh, a new weight class for him. This will be his fourth weight class. And is he taking a, a soft touch first? No. Is he taking on someone, uh, let me get used to this weight? No, I'll just go ahead and take on the best at 122. Best first best. I love this fight. There are enough good enough things to say about it. 100%. Everything I agree with everything you said about this fight. Um, yeah, the number one thing that's missing in, in sport today, aside from all the other stuff outside of the ring, the promotions, the networks, all the stuff that, you know, the, the blockades for making these big fight matchups, the cross-promotional issues, blah, blah, blah. The number one thing that's affecting this sport today is guys not daring to be great. This is an opportunity for these fighters to dare to be great for all the reasons that you just said. Jumping up the weight, not taking an easy touch, going right to the top dog around, staying in a weight class and putting your O on the line to fight this killer who's coming up. I mean, it's it's just it's awesome. This is this is this is what boxing is all about. Two men daring to be great, really putting their records and their legacies on the line against each other, against the toughest fight match that, match that can be made. This is a fighter's dream fight. I mean, from either man's perspective. These are the fights that we want. I say this all the time. A lot of people are like, oh, he's ducking that guy. He's afraid of that. Get out of here. We're not ducking not nobody. We want these big fights. We want to be in these legacy-style fights. Daring to be great um, is what it's about. And and the fact that Stephen Fulton is not allowing anything to get in the way of that shows you that a lot of the power is in the fighters' hands. And we really can make these fights happen if, if they really want them. And Stephen Fulton really wants this fight. I think he believes in his skills and his ability and and his timing for this fight. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great matchup. These guys aren't old. We got two guys in the primes who are, are, are matching up, and they match up in such a great way in terms of boxer versus puncher or boxer puncher versus, versus boxer. Um, and, yeah, yeah, and, and, and primetime guys. This is, this is awesome. It's going to be um, May 7th. Uh, it's going to be early in the morning. Uh, that's the only one beef, I guess, with this fight. I love getting up early and watching. It's going to be on a Sunday morning this time. Not usually, uh, in a way, he's been fighting during the week, um, his last couple of fights. But it's I, uh, probably like a 7 a.m. Eastern start. ESPN Plus. I'm pretty sure it's not a pay-per-view. That's a big win. Um, shout out to Stephen Fulton, like you said, and the, the PBC. Like, they get a lot of flack for, oh, th- their PBC is going to get in the way of this fight being made. They're never going to let... Uh, one of their guys go and fight on whatever enemy across the street. But it just shows you, like you said, if if the fighter wants it, they could make it happen. Same thing with Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis. You'll hear this from Steven Espinosa in just a bit. Both guys really wanted that fight. They were not letting it slip away. I think that was the case with Fulton. I think he's thinking right now is my time. Like my, I'll go after this guy uh, in his first fight at 122. I'm on a roll. Um, I've had four or five great performances in a row now. I'm in the prime of my career. This is when they should be fighting, not when they're on the north side of uh, 30. But check this out from Stephen Fulton. I think he's the best 122-pounder in the world right now. His last six opponents, if you count Niowa Inouye, 102-3-3. And And the three losses were all Daniel Roman's. Well, two losses. He gave Daniel (laughs) Roman his third loss. So they all came from one guy. So for the most part, his last five opponents have all been undefeated, have all either been champs or guys are top prospects that he's had to knock off. So he's earned this shot, and he's earned this spot, Fulton, 100%. Yeah, but he's not earning the shot, really. I mean – Anyways, coming up to fight him, you know, it's, it's anyways taking taking the shot at the champ. So um, he's earned the opportunity for sure. I mean, and, and to make some real money at those at the lighter weights, you know, you have to make big fights. That's one of the reasons why the the, the smaller weights um, get unfortunately looked over is because then we do have huge fights on them. We have for decades, we you know, because there's the talent pool is not as not as great. The the, the 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 opportunity to make money is not that is not that as often. So you get these guys making these big matchups where they're really risky fights because the, 
listen, that's how you get paid in these in these these lower weight classes. Thank God these guys are getting paid more now. But um, this has got to be one of the biggest money fights that can be made south of 126. Yeah, that's why it's in in Japan too. I, I've yeah. gotten a few questions like, oh, why why like in a way always fights in Japan? He's one of the biggest stars there. It's money. Yeah. Like Stephen Fulton's like, I want to make the most money I possibly can. I'll go over there. So yeah. I will go to Japan, which is admirable for him, and it's also just makes business sense. Um, that like, I, I did the same thing with Pacquiao and Macau. Why, yeah. why is Chris fighting Macau? He's, he's a ticket seller and, and does really well in New York. Why why bring him over there? I said, well, we make more money over there. So, yeah. It, it, and we were, when we're talking about like these fighters who want to make this, I was that guy too. I was able to fight on so many different networks and so many different, different against different guys because I always wanted the. I was I didn't have a huge promotional team behind me to, to kind of block me from all that. Yeah. But listen, I wanted the fights. I could have easily said that. Oh, we can't make that fight happen because of this. No, no. I wanted the fights. I wanted I wanted those big opportunities. I wanted that big money. So, it's cool to see these guys using that, using their power, using their leverage. How about Inoue? Let's get into him for a second. Um, twenty five pro fights this will be his 20th consecutive title fight <laughs> that's absurd that's crazy it's crazy and so now crazy. he'll be going up to his fourth weight class he's won titles in three different weight classes and what i really love about this fight is like the stakes are so high and if fulton wins he beats a consensus top three pound for pound guy in a way right you got Inouye in your yes. top three? I think everyone can agree that Inouye is at least in the top four, however you have these guys, uh, one, two, three, four. He, he's got to be knocking on that gold, silver, bronze debate. Exactly. So you know, if, if you don't have him there, then, then like, you know, he's, he's at least knocking on it. You know I'm not a big pound-for-pound pound guy, but I, what I do subscribe to is like the Mount Rushmore. Like, who are the top four fighters today? And mm-hmm. I would say that Inouye is definitely one of them. So Fulton can knock off Inouye, which would be a huge win. Probably one of the better wins of the last 10 years on his home turf with all Inouye's doing, knocking guys out left and right. Fulton catapults into the top five, top three, arguably. Then you go to the flip side to Inouye. Inouye, to me, is consensus top four. But to others, there is still a little bit of like, okay, who is this guy exactly? I wasn't familiar with the lower weights. I didn't watch a lot of his fights because you know those first 20 fights were all in Japan. Heard about him. Who was he beat? If he beats Fulton and he does it convincingly – Let's just say he stops him. He's solidified, in my opinion, as as number one. So that right there, both guys can really cement themselves as greats of this era. Yeah, it's going to be a super hard argument for casuals and people outside outside of the very, very tightest of the boxing circles, just because of all the things you said in terms of the lighter weight. People haven't really seen him that often. Um, it's going to be hard for people to to swallow the fact that you're going to bump a Crawford or Canelo and, and you know with with with, with with this win here. So I, I'll definitely give you some pushback on that. Um, but in terms of what he's done, what he's accomplished and who he's going to be beating, Fulton is kind of tough because you got to look past the numbers. Unless you're a true boxing head, you don't, you, you may not know that much about Fulton or the guys that he's beaten in order to get here. His record obviously is undefeated, but it's not like one of those sterling records, like in a way where it's like 25 and oh, 23 knockouts. And, you know, it, it, Fulton's not, not a power puncher like that. Um, but if you look beyond those numbers and see the guys that he's beaten, especially in his last however many fights you just said, um, yeah, this this does catapult in a way deep into that conversation of pound for pound greatness. Like I, this number one. This fight has a lot of buzz, man. I mean, this fight has a lot. Of, I think it's one of the most buzz buzzed about fights in, in a long time. I never, I don't. This isn't the ultimate sign of how big a fight it is, but when I put it on anything about it on Twitter, the numbers are just 
flying because there's a lot of interest in it and it's the right time and it's the it's has all the elements that we just gushed on over and over in terms of uh the numbers um fulton is a he throws a lot of punches he's a volume puncher over his last five fights it's 61 thrown but in some of those the andrew leo performance the brandon figueroa performance he was averaging like 90 punches around i'm interested to see if he can do that against in a way, I don't think he'll do that. I think he'll box. He can't more. do that with a, with a puncher. Right, he'll can't box more. Right, he'll, he'll, he's got to box more, and he's got to use his size and use his jab. Yeah, I agree. I, size is going to be big here, and and size again is going to look beyond the numbers. So Fulton, bigger man, fights been fighting at twenty two. Anyways, first fight fighting up to twenty two in his fourth weight class. Fulton was on his way to twenty six, so he's going to be a really big twenty two. Yep. So he's actually he's almost like a tweener now between 22 and 26 because uh, I think he would do very well at 26 as well. And I think even after this fight, if he decides to move up, which he probably will, he'll do very well at 26 unless we get a rematch situation. But um, so it, it's an extra big 22 pounder based on the fact that anyways coming up and, and Fulton is technically, you know, coming back down because he was on his way up already. So and when you got a guy who has the boxing skills and is, is, is tricky the like um, like Fulton is, I mean, that's the kind of style, and I've been saying this for months, that's the kind of style that would give the style of Inoue trouble. If he can deal with the power, which is a big if, because Inoue is, has, has atomic bombs for, for fists, um, this is a very, very interesting fight because of their style matchup, which is something we'll, we'll break down as we get closer to our fight night. Yeah, both fighters land over 40% of their power shots. Uh, in a way, he's one of the most uh, precise power punchers in all of boxing. Uh, he has one of the higher KO and rates. And devastating. Yeah, one of the higher KO rates in all of boxing. Uh, has literally every punch in the book. Uh, like goes over six jabs landed around, which is a lot in today's uh, world in terms of, of jabs. It's everything. It's everything you want in a fight. Can't wait to uh, dive into it even more. It's May 7th on ESPN+. Plus This weekend, over on Showtime. Uh, Showtime is in the middle of a pretty big rollout. Uh, we're going to see Tony Harrison traveling to Australia to take on Tim Zhu. Uh, Harrison is filling in or stepping in for the injured Jamel Charlo. This was supposed to be Zhu Charlo. Uh, it was supposed to happen in the, uh, January. Uh, but I love this. Uh, to, um, you got to think Zhu was like, you know what? I don't want a soft touch. I don't want just any replacement. Give me the next best guy at 154, and that's Tony Harrison, who at one time uh, was a world titleist at 154, beat Jermel Charlo. Not a lot of guys can say that. Uh, this fight's really hard pick him. This is a really hard uh, to pick fight, really hard to break down, because can, you can make a case for almost every single scenario happening in this fight. I agree. I agree. Great fight. Awesome when uh, a, a big fight, a good fight falls out, and then another good fight steps in its place. It's very rare to see. Um, Tony Harrison is, is a constant professional, world-class guy, will be a champion of my eyes no matter what. Um, great style, great boxing IQ, huge step up for, for Tim Zhu. And, yeah, I mean, can Tony go over there and outbox him? Yep. Can Tony go out there and knock him out? Yep. <laughs> can can Zhu use his physical size and youth to 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 beat Harrison, maybe even dominate him? Yup. Could he do it and stop him? Yup. <laughs> That's everything can happen in this fight, and which makes it such an awesome fight. Gotta love pick them fights. Um, from a stylistic standpoint, it's really gonna, this is just gonna answer what Zoo's all about. I do think Zoo is a good fighter. I, I'm, I, I think he's 
I would arguably say he's he's one of the best, if not the best technical fighter that's come out of Australia since his pops. Wow. So, uh, you know, it, it, Australians are usually not known for being super technical, good boxing guys, good fundamentals. Zoo's got all of that. And he's, he's physically strong. He's young. He's fresh. He's got a lot of momentum behind him. So, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of, of Zoo, and I, I'm, I'm curious to see if he can overcome this obstacle because Tony, Tony's no joke. Tony's going to bring things in terms of experience and, and, and boxing knowledge and boxing IQ that Zoo's probably never seen. I'd like the fact that Zoo was coming up the Terrell Gaucha fight, which was a which is a good win, but it was a tough fight. Did hit the canvas in that fight? Yes, and yes, he did, and he got dropped with a with a just a, a guy who was throwing a technically superior punch. He saw Zeus lining up for his right hand. He pulled. He, he did the cross, the, uh, the, the the bow and arrow. Both yep. hands came open to throw his right hand. Gaucho got his head offline. Bang! Put his right hand there. Puts him on his butt. That's what Tony Carrison does all day. He's a technically superior boxer, and him being able to pull the trigger and fire those shots—that's that's what he's known for. Can he do it in his advanced age and at this stage of his career? That's Can he? Can he focus on this fight in his own career now that he's working as a trainer? He's been working with Alicia Baumgartner for her last couple fights now. He's putting on, and you can, we see him all the time. He's putting a lot of work into that. Mm-hmm. It's hard to switch gears, to be the coach, be that, be so involved with someone else's career, and then come in and, and go to training camp and do what needs to be done in order to be prepared for a 12-round championship fight across the world. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of questions on both sides. More Zoo because there's, there's question marks of, of what he is and who he is. Tony, we kind of know exactly what's going on with him. It's just, can he overcome that? Yeah, it's just like, I would say age and a little bit of... He's been active, but he had a, he took like two years off. Um, we'll but even now, he hasn't fought in almost 11 months. Yeah, and he had, like, before that, it was he took a significant amount of time off uh, between COVID mm-hmm. and just really... I think his father passed away, and then also he didn't... Probably just, I won a title, I'm taking some time off, I, I made a good amount of money, and now... He's thrust right back into it. If he wins this fight and beats Zoo, we're looking at uh, Charlo Harrison three, uh, yeah. which would be interesting because he certainly deserved it. And Zoo, like you said, like there were some question marks about Zoo after that uh, Gauchet fight. Like he went the distance, people were picking him to to win by knockout. He had been stopping everyone, but him going down early, it was a. I think it was good uh, for his development, but also it's like mm-hmm. all right, maybe let's let's pump the brakes a little bit on this guy. But I think if Zoo gets through this. Yeah, but they didn't. They went right to Charlo. Now. Right. <laughs> so. but, well, yeah, he was waiting in line for. Her. I mean, he he played that that mandatory game and played the, the played the game that to to get that shot. Um, but if should Zhu win, then he will 100% be ready for a, a fight uh, with Jermel Charlo. And we're talking about how all these different outcomes. This is one of the harder fights to bet on. And I honestly don't even know if I'm going to touch this fight because there are so many different ways i think it can go but if you are very confident in harrison i think that would be the play tony harrison money line is plus 200 you get plus money on harrison winning this fight it's also down in australia um i would say a knockout is probably unlikely or from harrison i would think if harrison's going to win he's, it's going to go the distance and then that's when the australian judges come into play mm-hmm. we don't yeah, know about yeah. that when, when, when you add in those that that's why you're you're, you're the betting guy when you <laughs> add in those tidbits of information it becomes it becomes a very interesting conversation and it makes it that much harder to see Harrison getting the win because Harrison does he have the boxing skills to, to outbox Zoo? most likely. Yes. Um, can you do it for 12 rounds is, is a big question because zoo is bigger, younger than be bringing it. Um, then once he does get, make it to the 12 rounds and outboxes him, uses his skills, will the judges recognize all the work that he's doing in there? So, uh, one will never know. Tough, tough fight to, to, to battle. Like you said, um, probably easier to go with the zoo, winning either 
Well, zoo is late round stoppage or yeah. or by uh, decision. Yeah, it's zoo, zoo to win is uh, minus two sixty five. They don't have DraftKings doesn't have the uh, props yet, but uh, they'll have them up there. Oh, actually, oh for my last three betting, I lost my last parlay again. I had heard <coughs> Resendez. I had the I had that one hit. I had over eight and a half this past weekend. Jared Heard, tough guy. I've probably seen the last Oof. of him. Um, yeah. And then I had Figueroa by TKO or stoppage over Magsayo. If Magsayo wasn't holding, what I, 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 I said it. We spoke about that. I think that with that holding, that was able to keep him keep him afloat because he, uh, Figueroa was really coming on late. The body shots were killing him. <sighs> that's why he was holding so much. Um, and that's why I think, I, you know, they're saying it was very one-sided in terms of um, the ref, I don't really believe that. No, I, I thought he, he, was, I thought the easily, ref did a great easily job. was taking the proper points away. The one sidedness came from the, the judges, which were absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I thought that was a close fight. It was, yeah, uh, it was not a nine to three fight or ten two fight. That was seven five type of fight. That, that fight broke open in the ninth round in terms of who was going to win. It was, it was really, really, really tight. Yeah. Uh, without the late charge by Figueroa, I had Maxia win that fight. So those judges, uh, that's that's that sucks. That's why we we, we have the fights. For a reason, because anything can happen. These judges seem like they already they packed in their car before the fight even started. Yeah, that's 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 what gives me pause with um, this Harrison Zoo fight in mm-hmm. terms of betting. Like plus two hundred for Harrison, I probably I would, that's probably what I would go with. Um, you know that Harrison's going to want to control the fight, and he, he can do that. <laughs> he only throws forty two punches around. Fifty percent of his thrown punches are jabs. Um, that's the fourth highest percentage among uh, fighters at. Uh, 154. So he's going to go in there and try to control it, Harrison. He's going to be the crafty veteran. He's going to you know, land his power shots here and there, get in and out. And Zhu is a brawler. 60 punches around, 40% of his power shots. Uh, 17 of his 19 landed punches per round are power shots. Barely throws a jab in there. So this is a fun fight. A lot of stakes. Winner probably gets Charlo at the end of this year, uh, depending on how, how that hand uh comes into play but if you had to uh give your pick for this fight what would you go with uh i, I i'm a fan of tony harrison i want to i want not to i'm be. gonna i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with my heart and i'm gonna go with the the savvy vet using his skills hey we talk about you know um uh, tony's boxing skill he can punch too he's got yeah. a lot of knockouts and you know he's got he's got legit power um so I, 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 things that I saw in the zoo first Gaucho fight, I think could really help Tony. If Tony shows up properly prepared and is focused on himself as being a champion again, I, I could see him winning this fight. Yeah. So that's uh, the fight this weekend over on uh, Showtime. Um, one last thing, going back to the point we have with Inouye and Fulton, we're about to embark on a pretty crazy stretch of boxing. March 25th, Benavidez plant, April 16th, Ryan Garcia, uh, versus yes. Tank Davis. May 7th, we got Inouye Fulton. Potentially May 20th, we have Haney Lomachenko uh, throwing Zhang uh, versus uh, Joe Joyce. Uh, Canelo Alvarez is returning the weekend of Inouye Fulton, probably against John I Ryder. You forgot, you forgot Canelo in there. <laughs> well, that's the, the point. Of, the main point I'm getting at is I just listed off like four really good fights um, that have nothing to do with the heavyweight division. And have nothing to do with Spence and Crawford, and have nothing to do with Canelo Alvarez. So that to me is well. it's, it's it goes through these lulls. It's it's hilarious. It could change on a dime. Like today we got Inouye Fulton announced, and and then next thing you know, Haney Lomachenko get added to the already pretty good schedule, and now you're looking at one of the better six month runs in uh, recent memory. Boxing will never die. 
the, the, the true boxing heads really understand that. Yeah, we get broken down from time to time. You know, we had a, we had a rough end of last year, you and I. Of course. <laughs> you, you, you look the most dejected I've ever seen. But Well, Spence you know, Crawford killed, like, it just broke my will. I know, I know. But apparently they're talking of- again. You see that? Yeah, well, they're like a on and off like <laughs> couple. Like, oh, they're, they're talking. Did you hear? Well, yeah, it's, Spence it's, and Crawford Mayweather, are talking it's, on the phone. It's, it's Mayweather Pacquiao again. Um, yeah, we, we, we'd love to do this with you ourselves. But, it, you know, listen, boxing is never going. It's not going anywhere. It's never going to die. Um, it, it's it's one of the oldest, oldest sports and greatest sports in the world. So um, it's nice when it's when it's healthy. When it, when boxing is healthy, there's a lot for us to do and a lot for us to talk about. And that's yep. that's where we where we want to be moving forward. And, and this year is looking really good. Mm-hmm. Spence and Crawford. The latest on them is that they are talking on the phone, direct to each other. Direct direct to each other. They have agreed to a purse split. And apparently, this is what Copper is reporting. And <laughs> this is new. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, they're having phone. They're having conversations, and um, Copper is reporting that they agreed to everything. Um, Crawford's still gonna fight Rocha next, and Spence is gonna fight Thurman next. And then, should they both win, we could potentially see it at the end of the year. This is I'm. This is what I'm reading. I brought it up to Espinosa later in this episode, and he was like, "It's news to me." <laughs> But I wouldn't yeah, be surprised. Honestly, because they're talking to each other, right? Yeah. Using, utilizing anyone else. How is anyone else going to know what's well, going on? He said news uh, to me, but I would not be shocked because he said that the way that the negotiations left off, it never was like animosity. It was more like we got to figure out a way to get this done and, and it's still open. You know, it didn't end like completely. The timeline shut. makes sense. But the fans might not be into it, but it has to happen this year. They'll get, <laughs> they'll get, they'll get reanimated by it. They will get, they, they, so will we. It's, we'll have fresh blood in that, and we'll be we'll be excited. All right, here is our interview, or my interview, with Showtime Sports President Stephen Espinosa. All right, we're being joined right now by Stephen Espinosa. He's the Showtime Sports President. He's the boss man. Makes a lot of important decisions. Always love catching up uh, with you, Stephen. How are you, my friend? I'm good. How about yourself? Doing good. Busy over here, at John Boy offices. We got a big blitzball tournament coming up. Uh, you know, it's not just boxing for us over here. Play a lot of different things over here, but the boxing world is heating up. Um, we got a lot of fights being announced. We have a lot of fights coming down uh, the pipeline, and I'll start it off with with what everyone wants to know, and, uh, and that is: Is Showtime boxing going anywhere? <laughs> uh, no, I, I I understand. Look, there's there's been a um, lot of change, a lot of uh, you know, uh, candidly bad news throughout the media industry and to some extent throughout the economy. Um, but the media industry and the TV industry in particular is undergoing a fair amount of change. Um, we're not immune. Um, you know, obviously the Showtime streaming service is consolidating into Paramount Plus. Um, uh, but in terms of Showtime sports and particular Showtime boxing, um, nothing has changed um, as we sort of, as you can, conclude from the recent schedule we're full speed ahead we've got the green light to continue what uh what we've been doing and i think that's evident from what we've scheduled this far um it's a really robust schedule we're in the middle of eight straight weeks of of uh of combat sports um and boxing action in particular and it's as you know as busy run and i think as solid as run is as i've seen in quite some time here and that's even without adding on some of our bigger stars who are going to be added on early in the summer, like the Charlos and Spence and, and others. 
Yeah, it is quite a run, man. What is it, eight fights in nine weeks or nine fights in, in ten weeks? Some really good ones in there. Um, can you try to explain, like, it's hard for, for some fans to understand or it's hard for um, boxing fans to understand what this merger really means. Is there a way you can explain it in, like, sports terms for the sport fans? Um, sports terms. Um, <laughs> look, I, I, I think... Um, you know, it, it's um, and look, I'll try to make uh, a sports analogy and, and probably, you know, do a, a better job with with a media analogy. Um, it's um, and I believe it's Fenway Sports Group, you know, the the, the sports entity that, yes. that LeBron's a part of, um, you know, th that is an ownership group that has a number of different brands underneath it across different sports. Um, European soccer, you know, obviously, um, you know, the Boston Red Sox various sports properties under under one brand they're sort of run independently um but they have some of the the shared administration and obviously are uh you know done cohesively um that that's the sports analogy the media analogy is probably disney plus yeah um you know and they're probably the best example of of being able to uh, sort of groom and cultivate and and have multiple brands thriving under under one app so that's the simple terms of what's going on. Uh, now, look, there obviously is some economic distress in the, in the business overall. Um, there have been a lot of layoffs across the industry. You know, there have been some changes within our company, and that probably has caused some questions um, overall. But the reality, you know, for us in sports, um, you know, it's full speed ahead, and we are continuing to do what we've been doing, which I think uh, it's fair to say is putting out I think the the best domestic schedule there is in the sport. Now, in terms of like the fights in, in say next year, what it looks like. So you're gonna have an app next year. It's gonna call Show, uh, Paramount with Showtime. That's how we're gonna be watching Showtime boxing right. in the year 2024. Yeah, it, it, it's sort of like you know if you want to watch Hulu, or you want to watch Marvel movies, you go in the Disney Plus app. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to watch you know Showtime and all the Showtime content or stream boxing. It'll be within the Paramount Plus app. And then there'll be like a boxing section? Yeah. Well, there'll be a, a Showtime section because there's a, obviously a Paramount Plus subscription without Showtime, or you can have Paramount Plus with Showtime. Um, and then, um, but yes, there's a sports section. And in it, we'll have, you know, side by side, all the great offerings that Paramount Plus and CBS Sports have, along with, um, if you've got your Showtime subscription through there, you know, the Showtime offering as well. So... Obviously, the PBC has such a big roster, and it pretty much has boiled down to a lot of the fights ending up on Showtime. They're no longer on Fox, uh, for the most part, no longer on FS1. Could we see more dates now with a streaming service uh, like Paramount being in the loop with Showtime, where we would see some of the fighters that we're only seeing maybe once a year, more, more dates? Are we going to see more dates now with Paramount Plus uh, in the fold now? Yeah, I'm, I mean... Um... I think it's possible. I think the, the, the issue of dates isn't really so much um, in terms of networks as, as it is, uh, you know, other factors. Um, you know, everyone has been asking where uh, where Jamal Charlo has been. Um, people are anxious to see him back. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that he isn't back has nothing to do with the amount of dates. You know, he, he had an injury, went through some um, personal stuff, um, and, you know, he's anxious to get back. Um, but I think, look, if we look at it, we've done, we've got on our calendar already 14 boxing events in the first six months of the year. Yeah. 
Um, again, that's as busy as I can recall us being since I've been here, which which is over 10 years. And uh, I think there will be plenty of dates. Now, whether that expands further um, as we sort of become part of the, the Paramount Plus and CBS Sports ecosystem, mm-hmm. um, that remains to be seen. I, I certainly think that there is an an openness to discuss it if there's an opportunity there. I, th- I was thinking more like like shows that we would have seen on FS1. They're not like top guys. They're like contender types of series, uh, stuff like that. I was thinking. Yeah, I, I I think that that's possible, and I think you know we we could be seeing um, some extended uh, distribution of of sort of the streaming fights, mm-hmm. additional Paramount platforms. Um, you know, there's some really good fights. I mean, this past weekend we had. Uh, Trayvon Marshall, he had, you know, uh, Terrell Gaucher, um, you know, two interesting fights, interesting names on, uh, on the stream. And so, you know, if anything with all this talent, you know, that stream is, uh, as, as good as anything on air, the names there and the fights there are as good as, you know, most other televised, uh, undercards on other networks. Yeah. It is nice. The, the emphasis you guys put on the undercards, having, uh, Campbell in there and, and Luke Thomas calling them and having access for fans to watch those fights that are the first couple fights on the fight card where I think fight fans, uh, really do appreciate that. So obviously there's a big commitment to boxing this year, 2023. I think it's the beyond that has some of these bad reporting or some questions and all that, but can we say that we will see boxing on Showtime in some form after 2023? Yeah, certainly that's um, that's our expectation. No one has told us any different. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people out there with agendas in particular, or they're trying to connect, you know, dots that aren't really going to be connected. You know, and it's it sort of it's a little bit like uh, like reading the, the Fed minutes or listening to you know, the Federal Reserve make statements. It's sort of like everybody hangs on one or two words or a particular phrase and tries to parse what that means for the next, you know, year. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the reality here is, um, you know, we are as busy as we've ever been. And, you know, that remains the case for the foreseeable future. It must be pretty frustrating for you to read some of the tweets. You're on, you're on Twitter. You're, you're in the trenches. Seeing some of these reports or seeing some of these people uh, who think there are authorities on things and you're just like, oh, I, I do want to respond. You do respond. Like you, you will snipe in, but you're probably like, oh man, I really want to just hit everyone in, in, on Twitter right now. And just be like, guys, like we're, we're going to be fine. Yeah. I, I, I probably respond more uh, than I should, you know, no, you're, it's honestly. relatable. You're in the mix. That's good. Uh, yeah. I, I think there, there's, there's some, but also you don't want to feed just these weird conspiracy theories or, or, or people, like I said, who are, you know, clearly rooting for us for some reason, you know, not to, to go away. Um, I, I think we're playing a critical role in the sport right now. Um, and as a boxing fan, um, I sort of shudder to think what the boxing market would be without our activity in it. Um, because we are providing some of the biggest fights and, um, a lot of, a lot of high quality content here. So it's sort of like, yeah, you, you have to consider the source, the knowledgeable people, can sort of see the big picture and understand that you know there are changes but there are also indicators indicators that the sport is uh doing very well with us you know we don't come out with a schedule like this um we don't continue to add to it if you know there's you know immediate concerns about what the sport um is doing for our business so what you're saying is rick glazer not a reliable source (laughs) who who is that guy i mean i think i've seen him once at a fight when i was like 15. Yeah, I've heard rumors and I've actually never run across him. 
Yeah, he, he might be a figment of our imagination. He might be a burner account for all we know. Uh, let's get into the schedule. Uh, it's a fun one. Uh, this upcoming, this past weekend was a great triple header. Uh, all three fights were amazing. Um, now we go down to Australia. Tim Zhu, Tony Harrison. That's one of the, uh, the bigger fights that I love on this uh, rollout. Then we got Benavidez Plant two weeks uh, from Saturday. I can't believe that fight snuck, uh, just sneaking right up on us. Uh, Sebastian Fondora was always in really fun fights. And then Javante Davis, Ryan Garcia, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, and then we have some fights. Uh, Roly Romero's back. And then uh, Adama is coming back. That's a pretty robust schedule. And it's a little bit of something for everyone. We got pay-per-views. We got uh, big fights with uh, high stakes we have a guy in Tony Harrison stepping up to face Tim Zhu. There's a huge implications in that fight. The winner uh, probably will we'll see uh, Jamel Charlo. Fun schedule. Uh, I think it's uh, got some really good names on it. Yeah. Look, I, I want to you know revisit this past weekend because um, on paper it looked like some really interesting fights, um, and you know it's always gratifying when what you see on paper actually plays out um, the way you, you hope it will. And you know, in particular, you know one of I think what boxing fans enjoy most is, you know, discovering that new talent, you know, is finding it. And, you know, Elijah Garcia came into the fight with a little bit of buzz, a lot yeah. more buzz now. Um, you know, that is a high quality win for someone as young as he is. And it, it's the kind of performance that immediately sort of stamps him as, as somebody to watch, you know, going forward. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we've seen that happen uh, you know, many times in the last couple of years, whether it's um, somebody like Isak Cruz or um, or like uh, Jose Valenzuela or, um, you know, Chris Colbert or even Stephen Fulton um, over the last about 18 months. So, uh, look, that's the sort of high praise for Elijah. I realize it's just one fight, but I think he's really, really promising. I mean, you could say the same thing for uh, Armando Resendiz. Um, and the fact that he put on that kind of performance, I thought Jared Hurd looked pretty good. Um, he just, you know, outworked by a very, very tough Resendiz. And, you know, not a lot of people knew his name coming into the fight. But again, it's the type of performance that makes you want to see those guys again. Yeah, especially the middleweight division. It's just like I talk about this all the time with my co-host, Chris uh, Algieri. It's like the the well uh, the middleweight division forever is the glamour division in boxing and it's it's right now it's a lot of uh it's got a lot of movement you know you got Golovkin what's going on with him we have obviously haven't seen Charlo in a while I know he will be coming back uh this summer you got Janabek in there it, there's a, there's room to move in the middleweight division I think a lot of guys are circling uh, some of the names on there uh, let's talk about um Javante Davis and and Ryan Garcia uh, how close was this fight to falling through. Um, I I never thought uh, that it was really in jeopardy since we um, saw since we reached agreement you know back in the fall. I mean, obviously there were issues that needed ironed out. There always are. Um, I was a little puzzled by all the the public discourse and, and sort of the statements that sort of we we all I may say we the promoters and the networks and the fighters all got to a point uh, where we had an agreement in principle such that everyone was comfortable with the fighters coming out and saying something saying, you know, that we're in agreement fight is on. Yeah. And then immediately you saw some of those same people who had approved the announcement start saying, well, wait a minute, you know, we're not done, which was sort of uh, uh, puzzling to me. It's sort of like we all agreed that, you know, fight was on and the fighters were going to say it. And then to hear people casting doubts from within the process immediately after that was, was sort of surprising and, and puzzling to me. 
but um, there were details to be worked out. Um, look, I'm I'm not a fan of of sort of the minute by minute, day by day updates on the negotiation. I think it puts a strain on the negotiation. Yeah. I realize fans want to know. I know that there's you know developed a little tradition within sports. You know, part of uh, part of the sport is is actually understanding the business and following the business and some of the melodrama behind the scenes. I, I get that. But I think in this case, it was um, a little bit too soap opera. Uh, <laughs> I think there was too much melodrama. I, I think we, it, I, I never felt that it was really at risk. Yeah. And in particular, I didn't think he was at risk because both Tank and Ryan were a thousand percent committed to making the fight happen. Yeah, I was going to say, this felt like the fighters really drove it. Like they were not going to get out of that proverbial room. I know they weren't in a room together until it was made. They weren't going to let anything stop it. And I think they should be applauded for that. Like uh, Especially, like obviously Tank is, is way more established than Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia, I feel like, does not need to take this fight right now. He's the one that has like, what, two fights in the last two years? Not on the same level as Tank, in my opinion. Uh, he really, really pushed for this fight, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they both did. And there were multiple points where either of them could have gone in a different direction, you know, and, and it would have been a repeat of, of Spence Crawford um, oh, God. with, you know, someone sort of you know, leaving the process before it's done. But neither of those guys really ever, ever entertained that. Um, they, were, they were committed to the process. And, and I believe, you know, that's the right choice. It's the right fight at the right time. You know, yeah. it, it isn't it isn't late. It isn't early. Um, this is you know the right time for this fight to be happening. Oh, it's it's 100 percent. I mean, this is like almost the anti Mayweather Pacquiao um, from a fan's perspective. I know from an executive standpoint, that was wildly successful fight in terms of the money that it generated. But if you look at just like the 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 fight fan, like they want to see two undefeated guys that are under 30 uh, fighting, taking risks, getting in there and, and getting it on. Um me and you have done a bunch of interviews on this topic, and you know you have said in the past like it's a big fight. We don't feel like the zone needs to be part of it. They are a part of it, but I feel like that aspect of the deal. And I know that there are some fans out there that follow along with the the business side of things. What is the zone's involvement in this? Is it going to be two separate pay per views, not a joint pay per view, correct? And what is the zone? It's, uh, it's not a joint pay per view. Um, essentially, they're they're helping distribute and and, and sell the fight. Um, it will be, um, you know, Showtime pay-per-view production. Um, it will look like Showtime pay-per-view. It'll be Showtime uh, pay-per-view announcers uh, and the talent. Um, you'll just be able to um, purchase it through the DAZN platform as well. So, you know, that seemed like, um, you know, an appropriate result um, in that they, they got more, um, more participation than they would otherwise have gotten. I mean, it's certainly not you know, solely uh, Showtime pay-per-view in terms of the distribution, they are one of the outlets that will be selling that. So I think it was a, it was a, at least from my perspective, a good compromise. Yeah. Was that, so it's not going to be like a zone telecast. Like you're not going to see Mannix on it. Or are you going to see great, like they're going to have their no, as, guys? Mu as much as, uh, as much as I like Chris, uh, you know, you'll, uh, you'll be seeing Jim Gray and the others. Oh, Chris was in Creed. Did you see Creed three yet? I, I did see Creed. Let's yeah. get you, let's get your official uh, review of it. I well, first of all, um, as a, as a business person, I thought their promotion was tremendous. Yeah. They're br it's breaking um, all sorts of records, and and it was everywhere. I mean, no matter where you turn, whether it was, you know, sports, TV, you know, non-sports entertainment, you know, those guys in particular, Jonathan Majors um, and and Michael B. Jordan, 
worked their tails off in terms of promoting it. Yeah. So good for them. Um, and you know, the story, I, I thought it was, it was solid. Look, um, Michael B. Jordan is someone who is really committed to, um, to this. I don't know if he was a boxing fan before all these films. He certainly is now. Yeah. And you can tell he's got an appreciation yeah. for the sport. Um, with the care in which he handles it. Yeah, I, I was. That's what I came away with. A lot of things. Like I thought it was really good. I, I came away with like Michael B. Jordan like respects boxing because mm-hmm. he's not just like parachuting in and out like using the, that uh, you know the Rocky franchise. You can tell he cares. Uh, I like to see Short, Short Time was in it. They had the the all access. I thought that was pretty cool. Had ESPN in it. They had the zone in it. They, had, they played nice. They had everyone in it. <laughs> yeah, there there was and, and you know David Benavidez in there. Like there's you know. Good amount, you know. Yeah. Obviously, you know Crawford in there, Lopez. The know, only thing I didn't guys. like is, and this has to, this just comes with boxing movies. Like Jonathan Major's character, professional debut, he's fighting for the heavyweight title. Yeah, uh, but like I kind of have to roll my eyes. I saw it with my girlfriend, and she's like, "Does that really happen?" I was like, "No, that never happens. <laughs> we'll never see unless that." You're, unless you're Francis and Ganyu, maybe not. Yeah, exactly. He might be coming in, into the, into the boxing world. Um, ESPN is reporting. Uh, as of today, that Spence and Crawford are now negotiating directly over the phone. This is nice. They've agreed to a purse split on the phone. Uh, they're going to take interim uh, fights, though. Uh, have you heard of this report and any truth to it? What's the latest? I can't do an interview with you if I don't bring up Spence and Crawford. Um, actually, you're breaking news to me. Uh, <laughs> I've been on phone calls all morning, so I hadn't seen that news. Um, you know, look, I think the less that's said, the better. I mean, obviously... Um, you know, there was a, 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 you know, full attempt to make this last fall mm-hmm. and, and it didn't quite work. Uh, I think, you know, the quieter it is and less we say about it, um, the better. Uh, but that report is out there. I know that there there have been attempts, and, you know, they never really stopped. I mean, obviously, um, Crawford went and did the Avenesian fight. You know, uh, Spence, you know, attempted to take another fight, which got, got derailed by his car accident. Um, but there, there have been, no one has given up, you know, and no one in the process has given up. So I think those reports are sort of premature, um, significantly premature. Um, but, you know, there have been ongoing discussions. And I think, look, if this thing um, were to not happen, uh, I think everyone in here, and certainly my feeling, and I think a, a lot of the spent side, if it's going to fall apart, no one's going to let it fall apart until they feel like they've exhausted every possible avenue yeah. to get this done. So, yes, it's been dragging on for a long time. Um, yes, people are frustrated. But the fact that, you know, there are still discussions shows that people are persistent. They realize the the value of the fight. And there's still a lot of effort going into getting it made. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I haven't seen enough to say I'm optimistic yet. But I'm hopeful, okay. and certainly as long as people are talking, there's still a realistic, a real chance that this could happen. When is like someone like you, the, the 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 network, when do they get involved in these negotiations? I know most of it's between the promoters and whatnot. When do you kind of come in and say, hey, I'm in here, the closer. All right, let's get this done. Um, we come in whenever we can be helpful. And, and sometimes that's early on, um, either as sort of bringing the parties together or sort of acting as a go-between, or if there's – you know, a financial role or some other aspect that, you know, we can be critical in providing. There's some gaps that we can fill in. So, again, I don't want to go too far into the discussions. I, right. I think there are parts uh, of this that we can be helpful in. 
um, and that we have been helpful in, in sort of answering questions and providing, you know, some potential solutions to some of the challenges. Um, so, but again, we don't, not going to be part of it just for the sake of being part of it. You know, if, if we're going to be involved, it's because there's a role for us to play and there's a contribution to help the process get, get to conclusion. So you 10 years now at Showtime, which is crazy. Um, 20 years in boxing, which I always say boxing is like dog years. So you can like times that by seven. So you've been in boxing for a long time now, Stephen. Um, what is one thing you love about the sport and what is one thing that drives you crazy about boxing? Um, one thing I love about the sport is, look, um, I, I think it's, a, it's an obvious answer. I think this would probably be it for, um, for boxing fans. It, it's sort of the fight night feeling. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say that that's one of my top two things is, is one, and I've been fortunate enough to be at a lot of high levels, sporting events from Super Bowls to, you know, um, Final Fours and other things. Uh, to me, there, there's really nothing like the feel of, a, a big fight night, whether it's Vegas or Barclays Center or, you know, or otherwise, there's, it's just a different adrenaline. It's a different energy that night. And I think any real fight fan who has been fortunate enough to be at a live event probably feels the same way. Yeah. And and the other is, is, is the long-term process is to, you know, see Deontay Wilder go from sort of a somewhat skinny, awkward kid that we were, uh, you know, taking a chance on, um, you know, and and doing some local fights in in Alabama and otherwise, to see him become, you know, champion of the world and and headlining pay-per-views. Or Tank Davis, to see him go from, you know, fighting off TV as someone who looked like he was, you know, probably 14 or 15 years old, um, to now being one of the biggest names in the sport. Um, I think the the difficulty or the, or the you know, one thing I'm not a fan of is, is, is the negativity yeah. and, you know, criticism where it's warranted is absolutely, you know, fine. And, and I think self, uh, self-inspection, you know, being introspective about, you know, all of our roles in the sport and the sport overall is, is a great thing. Um, but there's, there's sort of, and I've said it, I've said it to you before, um, it seems like boxing fans are a little bit more maybe cannibalistic than a lot of other fans. I'm not saying that we need to put on a happy face and pretend everything's okay, but I think we're a little bit more of, you know, maybe there's they're pro- traumatized, maybe we're just a little bit more critical, but I see a lot of negativity yeah. um, around the sport at a time when there's a lot to be positive about. Yeah, and I try to, I try to uh, highlight the positives, and I get called a... Uh an optimist like too much which i think is ridiculous but i try all right i really appreciate it one last thing i want we had a lot of audience questions but we don't have time for them I only have one this is from boxeo marshy who would you rather go out for a couple of pints with bob arum eddie hearn or dana white <laughs> bob arum eddie hearn or dana white um i i would have to say i would have to say bob yeah. um and it, it's not meant as a slight as the other two, but uh, Bob has, uh, you know, a range of experiences going back to his, uh, his days as a lawyer through some of boxing, boxing's golden era through mm. today. Um, he's got a really interesting perspective. He's obviously um, a very intelligent guy. Um, we haven't always gotten along um, throughout the years, but 
that doesn't stop me from you know, recognizing uh, his history and his sport in the sport and all the things that that he's experienced as part of it. Yeah, you could charge for that. You could charge for that podcast. You two sitting there you at, a bar, exactly. at a bar stool. All right, Steven Espinosa, big schedule coming out, huge fights coming to Showtime. Always appreciate uh, you chopping it up here on Inside Boxing Live. Thank you. No, great to, great to be with you, Dan. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, it was a fun interview with Mr. Espinosa. A lot of information there, Chris. Uh, you weren't part of it, but um, I did bring you up uh, in the interview. Interesting times. Showtime Sports not going anywhere, says Steven Espinosa. It's going to fold into an app just like DAZN or ESPN+. Plus. Just like a lot of sports are, are heading that way. It is a little strange, though, to hear that Showtime could potentially not have boxing anymore. Yeah, hopefully it's a situation where um, they're just getting with the times and just folding into the apps because that's where everything is nowadays. And it, it's, it's really tough for me to tell the older generation, you know, my, my fans who are older than me about how to watch, you know, my fights recently. Very it's hard. Like, yeah, what, what are you fighting on, Chris? Oh, it's a, it's an app. Dazzin. You know, like, where do I where do I find that? How do I get that? It's, it's on your phone. It's like, Ugh. what is this you know? Dazzin? Yeah, I mean, hopefully they're just getting with the times and just moving with with the flow of of where we are in, in terms of uh, sports entertainment. Um, and it's not moving exiting our our zeitgeist like like HBO did. Um, mm-hmm. But which is which still hurts my heart. I. I Thank God I won my title there because at least I can say that. Yeah, but, dude, believe me, I was yeah a big part of my life as HBO. Times. But yeah, it's Same. it's it's good times for now. Um, we'll see what this year, they, how this rest of the year performs, uh, for Showtime. But they are will have the fights on Paramount Plus Showtime app, uh, next year, and we'll, we'll keep it going with that. How about this though? I did ask him about the uh, who would you rather. This is actually a fan question. Who would you rather have a a, a beer with, Aram, Eddie Hearn, or Dana White? All three have had major beefs with Espinosa. He went with Bob Arum. That's who I would want to hang out with. Not surprised to hear that at all. Right? That's what, exactly yeah. who I want to hang out with. All right, man. Um, headed... I, I, I'd go with Dana White, though, because I've had a beer with Bob. And it was awesome. But I, I, I would like to I'd get to, I'd, I'd get into an Dana's argument. Here. I'd get into an argument with Dana White. I'd be like, power slap sucks. And he would slap, <laughs> and he would slap me. And I'd be like, dude, why didn't you pay Francis Nagano? Because he's the yeah, real champ. Off air, if you got enough beers, he might, he might agree with you. But he's like, eh, I'm making money. Yeah, exactly. All right, I'm headed to the warehouse. John Boy Media Blitzball Battle 3 is being recorded. I'm playing. Um, I'm pitching. I'm hitting. I'm playing with Drew Davis, who's like 15 years younger than me. Um, do you have any advice or inspiration so I can come back uh, $10,000 richer? Because that's the prize. First of all, you have a very interesting job there, Mr. Dan. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. My family doesn't understand it. My girlfriend doesn't understand it. Her family's like, what is he doing? I'm playing blitz. It's I'm a professional blitzball player, damn it. With an opportunity to win $10,000. Right. So suck it. Suck it. Run <laughs> suck a 5 it. Suck 40. It, <laughs> So what? Do you have any advice? Yeah, I mean, you're, you've, got a, you've got one thing over all these kids. Experience. Yeah, experience. Keep your eyes on the field. Head on a swivel. <laughs> Watch all these kids, see their tells. Yeah. You know, they, they they don't even know they're they're giving their their game away. So That's true. just just play it smart. The the main thing for me is body preserva- uh, preservation. Yeah, preservation. Preservation. Yeah, I gotta like my arm. I got ice routine. I got a stretching routine. Not going out after the games because we're all staying at a hotel all week. Not not getting into the liquor. Are you guys uh you guys doing any drug testing? Uh, PEDs. Would... Uh, one of our guys is on PEDs. Dan Rourke. I would say maybe uh. 
Maybe a little shot of Actually, test right before you get out there. A little bit of run uh, through the wall. Ad, some some Adderall. Just, just you know, really really pump it up. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. All right, man. We'll talk next week. As always, keep your hands up. Protect yourselves at all times. Stay out of those DMs. We're out.